When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. I'm Denny Somak, and this is The Rock Podcast. If you're a regular listener of The Rock Podcast, then you know that I usually go to my archives and pull out a bunch of uh, different audio clips, and we also mix in some new interviews. No set format. We just try and tell you the greatest stories from the artists themselves. Anyway, I uh, wanted to do something a little different for this episode, Um, I'm a big Billy Joel fan, and I have a great story, at least I'm told, and people are always asking me about it. So uh, since it's the 40th anniversary of Billy Joel's Nylon Curtain album, which has the song Allentown on it, that's why I wanted to do this show, and you'll understand what I'm talking about uh, in a minute. The Nylon Curtain is the eighth studio album, released on uh, September 23rd, 1982, by Billy Joel. And now I'll give you a little background and then I'm going to turn it over to somebody else. I'm originally from Allentown, Pennsylvania. And of all the stories I tell, I have people asking me, this particular story is the one they like to hear. It's my Billy Joel Allentown adventure. So uh, let me go back a a few years. A friend of mine, Michael Schmirkanish, now you may know him from his uh, popular Sirius XM radio show on the uh, POTUS channel, or you may have seen him on uh, CNN as he hosts a program on Saturday mornings, which is just called uh, Schmirkanish. Anyway, uh, he asked me to come on his radio show and tell my Billy Joel story, which I did. And he gives all the background to this story. So let me just play it for you and hey gang a good friend of mine is in studio i don't want to put pressure on denny somak but i think he is about to tell a phenomenal phenomenal story and i think i will begin it this way there are very few songs that are so universally known by just the opening notes, or in this case, strokes on a piano keyboard as this. You know already, right? You know already that song. Okay, so that's the focus of this story. Denny Somak is, I'll I'll rely on the morning call, uh, way in which they describe you, Denny, a renowned rock music archivist author, and radio and TV producer. But back in 1973, what was your station in life? Uh, I was uh, in college at Moravian College, right across from your alma mater, Lehigh. Both of us in Bethlehem. That's right. And I had worked, was working for the uh, college radio station. And I had seen two years earlier, I went to a broadcasting convention from my radio station, uh, this convention. And I went and I saw Loggins and Messina and I saw... 
uh, Tanya Tucker, and I saw Todd Rundgren with the, the Hello People, and I saw Randy Burns in the Skydog Band, and I saw this guy named Billy Joel by himself at a piano sit down and do a half-hour set that absolutely blew me away. Had he, had he yet put out any albums? Cold Spring Harbor had just come out that week. Okay. And that was what they were, he was there to promote that. And for, for the benefit of those who don't know or don't remember, that album was, was no hard charger. That, that no, didn't do anything. No, it did nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was on an obscure label uh, distributed by Paramount Records. It was called Family Records or whatever. And no, nothing happened. But I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I went back, I eventually got a job at a radio station, WSAN, and we started doing a series of concerts. This is in actually 19, the end of 71, beginning of 72. And I said, I, we got to do Billy Joel. So I called his agent, a guy named Chip Racklin, who later went on to be head of uh, uh, talent relations. Are you you're still in college at the time? Yes, I'm still in college at the time. Okay. 1920. I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh. So I, I call up Chip, and, I, and he goes, well, you, Billy Joel. He goes, what, are you kidding me? Nobody's ever called for this guy. He, in fact, he's not even, I can't even find him. He, he left. I heard he went to L.A. or something. And, you know, nothing happened with his album. He goes, but I'll tell you what, if, if he ever comes around uh, and he has a chance, I'll give you a call. Well, you know, uh, about a, nine where did months. You, where did you want to put him? I wanted to put him in a theater called the Roxy Theater in Northampton, Pennsylvania. Look at you. I mean, you're in college and you're, you're booking shows. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> and what do you, some of the other acts that we booked, it's phenomenal because uh, this whole thing has started a movement where we're probably going to do some sort of a tribute to the, all those shows. Because when I tell you the acts that also played there, Frampton, Hall & Oates, um, uh, gosh, uh, on and I'm mean, a super tramp. Uh, Jen, Jen, I mean, it's just Fleetwood Mac. It's on and on and on. The number of bands that we had at this. I had the National Lampoon radio players <laughs> with John Belushi and Gilda Radner. Wow! And I could tell you stories that are just like beyond beyond. Uh, we had all the members of the Grateful Dead except for Jerry Garcia that had a side band called Kingfish. We had the Electric Flag, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Everybody played this place because it was perfectly located between New York and Philly. And if they wanted a warm-up date or they just didn't want to have a day off, they would come and we were able to get them. I, so I said to Chip, I, 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 Chip calls me up and he goes, all right, look, Billy's out on a tour. He's an opening act on the Doobie Brothers and the Beach Boys. He's got one day open, November 28th. You want them, you can have them. November 28, 1973. I said, yeah. I said, he's a star here. I said, we've been playing his record. He's like, he's going to go nuts. He goes, okay. Why, okay. Had, you been, had you been playing his record Absolutely. On, on WSAN? Yes, you could play whatever you wanted back then. And, I, sure. and everybody else in the station was going, wow, who is that? And they started playing. I got pissed because my record got worn out. I had to go buy another copy, and you couldn't hardly find this record. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so... Uh, Chip says, okay. Uh, he goes, well, what can you pay him? I said, I, I listen, he's got to do two shows, and I'll pay him $500. For both? For both to shows. To do two shows. Do two shows. Okay. So, so Chip goes, <laughs> Chip goes uh, okay. It's his first time he's headlining because he doesn't, you know, he's, we've been fighting over whether he should be a headliner at, at small theaters or whether he should be an opening act, and this will give us a chance to, to test that theory out. He says, but you got to put Henry Gross on as the opener. I said, fine, what's that going to cost me? He goes, $250. Okay, so for $750, <laughs> I got Billy Joel and Henry Gross. Right. Okay? For and the first time Billy Joel headlined. headlined. Right. That wasn't a club. You know, this is a real theater. And yeah. Acoustically perfect. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm doing afternoons, and his road manager brings him by the station, and I interview him. Comes in a station wagon, 
and he pulls up to the station. Billy walks in, and I said, oh, I can't believe it. I saw you at the IBS convention in New York. You were amazing. I've been waiting for this time. Uh, I, I can't believe it. And he goes, wow. He goes, this is amazing. No one's ever done this. Then we get in my car, and I drive him to the theater. What were you driving at the time? I, I had a, my brand new Dodge Challenger. Okay, <laughs> My Uncle Al once drove a Dodge Challenger. I remember those. Two-door green. And yeah. he's sitting next to me in the car and we're driving. And I take the back way because I know how to get there. And we go through Northampton and Bethlehem and, you know, the steel mills and all that stuff. And he's looking around. And that's where that's where the images from the song came from, Allentown. So he, uh, he says, well, where are we? I said, well, actually, we're in Allentown. But the theater is actually in Northampton, and this is like the suburbs and, you know, blah, yada, yada, yada. And we just chitter-chatter. You know, I wish I, I can't find the interview I did on the radio. But So we get to the theater, and he's blown away because he walks in, and there's a like a big poster, you know, welcome piano man with his picture. And he goes, he goes, I can't believe this. No one's ever given me a poster for my show. He goes, I've been, I've been open for the Doobie brothers and Jay Giles. And they, you know, they've been getting booed off the stage and I do, she's got away. And you know, they don't want to hear this stuff. They boogie, boogie, boogie. Anyway, he goes, so this is amazing. I said, well, wait till you see this audience. They're going to love you. He goes, okay, I can't wait. Now, now can I interrupt and ask? Yeah. So you, your interest was from Cold Spring Harbor. Right. Has, at this moment, has Piano Man yet come out? Just came out that Just week. came out. That's that why week. he was on tour. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay, but he's not yet popped. No, no, he hasn't popped anywhere. And unless you had Cold Spring Harbor or heard him somewhere, uh, you You'd didn't never know. Him. No, because he, people don't know this. He was in a band in Long Island called The Hassles, and they put out two albums. Right. And then he had another band called Attila, and they put out an album, and they're lost to history. Mm -hmm. So this is his last shot, because Cold Spring Harbor came out, and it died. Absolutely died. This was his last shot. So he comes in, and he, you know, I walk out, I introduce him. I go, ladies and gentlemen, Columbia recording artist Billy Joel and his band. And he walks out, and he gets his thunderous applause, he goes... Wow, he goes, I can't believe it. And he starts off, he said, well, let me just start off acoustically. The band will come out. And he does a song called Rosalinda, uh, which is a song about his mother. Actually. But, not, but, to be, not to be confused with Rosalinda's Eyes, which was on a later album. So, to my knowledge, this has never been on any album. Uh, and he goes into it, and he gets to the second song, and he's like, I, I can't believe it. You, we've never been received like this before. Like, who Ever. are you people? Yeah, and, and how do you know every word to every song? Because the audience is singing along, and... And they're yelling out, you know, songs from Cold Spring Harbor and, you know, on and on and on. And it's like when, you know, he ends up doing the first show and he just about had enough material because he only had a 30 minute set and his band had been together for three weeks. So they didn't really know any of the early stuff. And he actually says that on the on this tape that you're going to you're going to hear some excerpts from. So the second show, people let out and there's people, you know, 40, 50 people waiting in line to get his autograph. And he's like. I can't believe this. This has never happened to me. Comes the second show. He does a little bit of a different set. And I have both both shows, by the way. The only problem is I had taken a cassette player out of my car and put it on stage. And it was a stereo. You know, the quality is great. But I only had a... Um, uh, one of those 100-minute uh, cassettes. Sure. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. The old Max right. album. So you had to flip it over. I had to flip over the yeah. tape uh, to get the last song of the first set. And I captured the second set, except I couldn't get his encore. And what happened was, he ran out of songs. And he calls his manager. He goes, wait a minute, we don't know any more songs. 15 minutes? You're kidding. we got to do... He says, well, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And he, he, he plays one song from Cold Spring Harbor, which he didn't usually play. Uh, Everybody loves you now, or she's got to... Whatever it was. 
And then he goes, I, listen, I don't have any more songs. He starts doing impressions of Elton John. He plays Yellow Brick Road. He does Joe Cocker, You Are So Beautiful. And he's doing his, his impressions of it. And, and the place is going nuts. And he goes, we have no more songs to play unless you want me to start over again. And he leaves and he gets a big ovation. And, you know, again, 40, 50 people waiting in line to get his autograph. And that was that was the end of it. He okay. And let me just interrupt and say that that I know you. And we go way back. So if you told me that story over a beer, right. I would believe the story. Right. But I could imagine people listening to elements of it and saying, eh, guy's full of shit. This is no <laughs> way this ever happened. Right. And we've kind of already given this away. Right. The tape was lost. Right. And you just discovered it. I'm, I just moved my office uh, and I'm going through my, I have the 10,000 hours of interviews and concerts and stuff because, you know, uh, that's what I do for a living. I produce syndicated radio shows and been doing interviews, largest collection of classic rock interviews anywhere. But I'm finding other stuff that I recorded. So I get to this tape and it just says, BJ Roxy. And I'm saying to myself, what is this? So I send it along to some of the other stuff to get uh, digitized. And, you know, they send me back and I, I get it back and it's on a CD. And I'm going, I wonder what this is. And I put it on and there it is. And I remember clearly because I took the tape, put it in my car the next day and played it. And I thought, wow, this is great. I've got this, you know. But I played it for a few people. And then I threw it in a box because, I mean, who was Billy Joel, right? <laughs> you know, And it just, was just as you remembered it. Exactly. So, Denny, you explained that Piano Man had just come out. Right. He sings that. Right. Nobody really knows the song yet because it's right. new. Okay. And nobody knows the story. And he tells the story here, too, with the original version of the story. Okay, let's see. We'll do a song now. Amazing quality. I know. This is, um, where's my harmonica? There it is. I had a gig in a piano bar for a while <clears throat> when I was laying out of the music business. <laughs> Uh, I was working in a club in Los Angeles. I come out of New York, Long Island, but I figured I'll go to L.A. and I'll work in a piano bar because they can't be the same kind of shitheads that are in New York going to the <laughs> piano bars, right? But it turned out they were, they were just as bad, only like Western shitheads. Like in New York at a piano bar, they go, um, Hey, baby, don't you play a song, man, you know? And out west, they say, hey, stop playing that flag music, you know? It's just a different trip. But um, I made pretty good money, and I was calling myself Bill Martin at the keyboard. Bill Martin. And it was, uh, it was good bread, you know, and I, did, I had a whole other identity. I was real straight, you know, or I could be English if I wanted to be, you know, hello, how are you? And uh, I got a song out of it anyway. Train is an E flat. Explaining to his new band, right? Right. Yes. And uh, this is called Piano Man. It goes like this. Denny, I'm. I have goosebumps. So do I, because I. The visuals are in my head. So where were you? Were you on stage? Do I was, you remember, like, right where you were? I was. I usually would stand by the side of the stage when the artist would start, just right. to make sure. And then I would go to a, a seat somewhere in the first couple of rows with access to get to the stage in case there was a problem. So I think I went out and just. I was such a fan that I, I and I couldn't believe it. Here's Billy Joel playing 
in Allentown. It was just amazing. His, his voice is more youthful yeah. here than we recognize him today. He's 23. I have to tell you a story you don't know. Okay. When I was in eighth grade, and, and you've, you've started to address this, the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania yeah. became huge for Billy Joe, and the song Allentown apparently grows out of the car ride you took him on. That's right. Absolutely. It was originally he wanted to write a song, and he was going to call it Levittown because that's where he's from. But then he said, you know what, I, Allentown was where I remember, and it just became Allentown. But I think you've now explained something to me that I've never understood. When I was in, in eighth grade, which would have been 1975-76, right. I saw Billy Joel in the Lehigh Valley right. at Grace Hall right. at Lehigh University. That's My right. brother was a student there. My brother was like a, a, a freshman or junior and I remember taking my eighth grade girlfriend uh -huh. to Lehigh to right. watch Billy Joel. And for all these years, I've wondered, how did Billy Joel ever play Grace Hall? But I guess it was this affinity for the Lehigh Valley. The other promoter, and by the way, I didn't have access to a bigger location. So when Billy came back, I wasn't able to bid on him. And the other guy, who he's a friend of mine, uh, was promoting shows at Lehigh. In fact, I may have emceed that show. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It might have been the guy on stage that introduced him. But I was so annoyed that I couldn't have brought him back. Because what did that hold? 1,200, 1,400? Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, so it was amazing. So they brought him back, and he would come back several times. And Chip Racklin told me that they could always count on Allentown to sell out. I think he went back and played uh, the fairgrounds at Ag Hall, came back. He might have played Muhlenberg College. Uh, you know, Do you think that, listen, the quality of this is extraordinary. Do you have any uh, concern about, you know, I don't even know what the, the whole licensure legality and so forth is about how Billy will re react to this? Well, Chip's going to send him the, the article and the tape. I have a couple other people that are going to do that. Uh, I don't, th first of all, I own the tape, so I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm right. not doing, I'm not charging you, I'm not charging you to play this. Yeah. So, and he gets his, believe it or not, he gets his royalties from writing, from the songwriting royalties by this being played on the air. Good. So he's making money. I'm not, and by the way, I hope he does contact me. I'm expecting oh, to hear from him. Oh, my God. I, I would love, love to see either he play it on his Sirius XM channel, which right. would be phenomenal. Phenomenal. And we do the whole buildup. Yeah. Or they say, you know what, let's do a, a, an authorized bootleg of this thing, because I've got both shows and, you know, oh, I know this is God, a crazy analogy, yeah. but it's like, you know, finding the Beatles playing Hamburg tape. No, it's really know? not. L listen, the, the encore. Now, is this you coming out yes. on stage? Yes. Okay. Billy Joel, don't let him get away that easy. Come on. That's a young Denny Somak. Mr. Billy Joel. And you're in college. Yeah. <laughs> Once again... Just amazing, really is. Well, I want people to hear some of this. Uh, I gotta tell you, we've never been received like this, ever. And it's nice, I gotta tell you. <clears throat> you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> song some of you might know. This is for all our old, our new, or whatever good friends we have here. It's called Everybody Loves You Now. 
Raymond Denny, having listened to this, yeah. everything you say checks out in terms of him being so appreciative oh, yeah, and yeah. never having been treated this way, yeah. never having been a headliner. He, he talks in this tape about having been out on the road with the Beach Boys. Yeah. Right. And, and and kind of getting, you know, bigfooted off the stage. Yeah, no, he talks in other parts of it, which I, I can send you to listen to. He talks about being on stage with the Jay Giles band. And he goes, talk about lousy bookings. He goes, Jay Giles band are a great band. But, yeah. You know, they would get off the stage, you fag. You know, it's like. <laughs> but the, um, the the recording of this is you, you told the morning call yeah. <clears throat> that you had a unit you would slip into your charger and then you could pull it back out. Right. So this is the most rudimentary of recording devices. That's right. And you just, like, sit it on the stage? It was one of the first Sony stereo cassette players uh, with a built-in stereo mic, and that's why it sounds so unbelievable. And I put it right on the stage next to him. I wish I had made uh, tape board recordings over the years, although I'm now finding other stuff. You won't believe it. i got to transfer them, but I found Hall & Oates. I found Rush. I found Kiss. I found Frampton. I, I I don't know how they sound. Tom, right. Tom Rush. If they uh, sound like this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But this is the only one I actually recorded on because I wanted it for myself. I wanted to listen to it on the way home. TC, yeah. what, what else do we have? Where are we? Northampton? Yeah, listen to this. I'm going to move here, man. I'm going to move it's here. All right. It's all right. Really, you're the nicest audience we've come across. got to tell you. And we've, we've been all over, I guess, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Vancouver was okay. Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, they're really mean down there, man. <laughs> uh, we were playing in the, uh, what was it? The Richmond Coliseum, right? Which is, we get, first we hear, well, you're playing with the Doobie Brothers, so we figure, oh, great, that's the end of that, man. Here he is, Bobby Jowls, you know, Doobie Brothers. And uh, I think that's, a guy introduced me one night, I said, Bobby Jowls, Bobby Jowls. I said, ah, I, I remembered that one. Uh, I remember that guy too when I see him again, man. But um, we played in this big thing, the Coliseum, right? And it just went on forever. Just you look up and it was like, it was, the ceiling looked like it was higher than the sky. It just went, kept going and going and going. And you know, I'd get up and I'd play, hello, 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 hello. Fourth down, 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 down. It didn't make it at all, really. Those big places really kill you. And then, but the Doobie Brothers came on and they're a real loud band. You know, they're good, but they're just real loud so they can, you know, in a big place. Everybody's, yeah, right, yeah, right on. But not very musical, but you can try and do that, you know. Right? So this kind of place, this is a good place. I'm telling you, it's a real good place. I like it. I like it. How much is it? I want to buy it. Oh, really? This is, um... I'm trying to give you a stage signal, man. That's a showbiz talk. What's that? What does that mean? He's talking to his manager. Also. Where are we? Well, where are we at? I don't know what... I just let you might like to him watch. Oh, thank you, Reese. Okay. It's his drummer, Chris Clark. What's that? Manager said 15 minutes left. 15 minutes left, huh? But he's out of material. Oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, wait. I think, uh, see, this band's only about three weeks old. And uh, let's see, how much material we got? <laughs> 15 minutes worth left? That's about it. Well, we'll get to that. That's our big... 
when they punch him, get him at Jack. the end, you know. Somebody wants so him to, to be Captain Jack. Right. You know that song, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anybody know the old album called Spring Harbor album? Everybody knew it. Okay. Oh, good. Wow. That's weird. <laughs> the what? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, we never worked out all the old songs, man. We just, I put out a new album and we went, okay, let's, well, let me do She's Got Away because I can do that on my own. It's amazing, oh, Okay, John, we can make the 15 minutes. We're cool. Okay, because usually I run in the audience and I go, she's got a wave, and what is that? Crap, man. <clears throat> I can do it now. Okay. She's got a wave about her. Wow, Denny. Oh my God! And that that song is uh, if you Jesus. saw the Billy Joel uh, Kennedy Center's honor when they gave Billy the Don Henley covered this song at that show. She's got away. So I promised a hell of a story. <laughs> you did not disappoint. Thank you, Denny. Well told. Thank you. I well appreciate told. it. So that's my Billy Joel story about Allentown, and I thought you'd like to hear that as uh, we try and present the best stories from the world of rock. I want to remind you that this is The Rock Podcast, and you can contact me by sending a note to hello at therockpodcast.com, or go to our website, check it out, a lot of cool stuff up there, therockpodcast.com, and you can send me a note through there as well. So that's it for this episode. Tell your friends, keep in touch. Goodbye for now.